Welcome to the One Question Podcast, brought to you by Wabi Sabi Studios. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, and I love having unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. It's a huge passion of mine, so much so that I wrote a few books a while back that challenge people's notion on living a life more unconventionally. This entire podcast stems around one question. If there was one topic you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? People in the city or the metropolitan areas, when they're driving their car, when they put clothing on their back, when they're sitting down feeding their family, it's all produced by farmers. And there's been so much love and passion put into that. Angie Nisbet's roots run deep in the Australian agriculture, having been born and raised in northwestern Queensland. Her upbringing on a cattle property instilled in her a profound love for the land, and her journey unfolded as she pursued a career in agriculture following her educational pursuits. Angie's diverse professional journey has seen her don various roles, from Jillaroo to beauty therapist and even a truck driver for a livestock nutrition business during the harsh times of drought. However, her most cherished titles are that of a rural mother of three and a devoted wife residing on their station. Establishing a business in such remote settings is no small feat, and Angie takes immense pride in the close-knit community she calls home and understands the unique setting in which she calls her home. Agriculture is a crucial sector that sustains us all, and Angie is determined to spark more conversations about its significance at the kitchen table. Driven by a desire to bridge her profound connection to the land with the inspirational women she has encountered in the agricultural sphere, Angie was inspired to create her own podcast, Married to the Land. Here she delves into the intricate relationships between women living in rural, remote and regional areas. Angie is a formidable advocate for rural women and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Angie, it is so lovely to sit down with you today. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Michelle. Such a delight. I feel very flattered and hello to everyone listening. As a fellow podcaster, it's always nice to sit on the other side of the mic, I reckon, and uh, have someone do all the questions. Roll reversed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's start. I have the one question for you, which is, if there is one thing you wish society would talk more about, what would it be? Michelle, I gave a lot of thought to this question and I listened to a few of your episodes um, whilst driving yesterday, but for me and being in the industry that I'm in, it would definitely be agriculture and farming. If you stripped away everything that you had, your home, technology, everything, and we went back to being cavemen and cavewomen, what would be the three things that we would need to survive? And that for me was a really easy answer. It'd be food, shelter and water. And that is all produced by the agricultural industry and farmers. So it's so simple, really, isn't it? So simple. You know, when you put it like that, yeah, and it makes sense. But I think, you know, obviously your point is how important this industry is to us and especially in a country like Australia. So I'm curious, you have an amazing podcast called Married to the Land and you have such fabulous conversations, honestly, Angie, and bringing, you know, these almost unsung heroes shining a light on these people, which you know just gives me goosebumps when I think about some of the episodes I've listened to. So congratulations and well done. What is it that you wanted to do with that? Why did you start the podcast? And what do you get the most joy out of those kind of conversations? 
So, Michelle, I'm a fifth-generation farmer, um, so farming and agriculture has been in my blood for a long, long time, and I'm very, very passionate about it. So I have worked in the ag industry my whole life. I left school. I went back into agriculture. I was a station hand on properties and then ping-ponged around a little bit. And then I met my husband and I went from working full-time to becoming a mum, and I found that really quite challenging. After my second daughter was born, I was having a really tough day at home and I went to town and bought myself a coffee because I thought I've got to get out of this funk. And I ran into a lady from my community who I'd known for quite some time, quite a lot of my life. And I started talking to her and I started asking her these questions about, you know, where she'd come from and what she'd done. And it was just, you know, getting rid of those real simple, superficial questions about how's the weather, how's your day, how are the kids? And just tapping into the questions that I wanted to know, which was like, how did she give up her job to become a full-time mum and live on the property? And and so this sort of story just was spiralling in front of me and I thought, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I just thought if I found it interesting, then other people would find it interesting. So um, I went home and it just sat in my subconscious for a fair while and I thought I've got to act on this. I'm pretty active person and quite driven. So I thought I can turn this into something. So I came up with the podcast idea and then with my knowledge and connections through my community, there was just this huge list of women that I wanted to talk to. And yeah, that's how Married to the Land sort of stemmed and started. And it's just been incredible. And the stories and the understanding of the women that I talk to, I find it quite profound. For us that don't live on the land, you know, they're beautiful conversations to listen to. It's like we're eavesdropping on, you know, you having a chat with your neighbour <laughs> in a sense and some of those challenges that you're going through and it gives us really interesting insight into that as, you know, city dwellers and, you know, the kind of things that you're going through. And that was sort of something I wanted to dig a little bit deeper on. You know, you've lived on the land all your life and, you know, having three kids and your husband flies in, flies out. So it's almost like you're a bit of a single mum a lot of the time. What are some of your greatest challenges that you deal with being a, a woman that you know is on the frontier and living on the land like you do? For me, I think the biggest challenge is community and connection. We have such a huge community. You know, my na- my closest neighbour is 25 kilometres away. So if something happens, I can't just pick up the phone and call her because we have no cell service. You know, you've got to use the UHF radio. So your community around you really becomes a challenge in itself, I suppose. So whether you like them, hate them or whatever it might be, you really got to learn to work together. So that for me is a bit of a challenge, I suppose, compared to my sister who lives in Brisbane, her neighbour's five metres away and they can, you know, if something ever happened, they can just go to their neighbours and ask for help or whatever. But for me, community and being connected is, is a challenge and you really have to work super hard at it. You've got to make connections. You've got to touch base with people. You need to make sure that that relationship, I suppose, with your neighbour is you're going the extra mile. So that for me has been a huge challenge. But the longer I spend on the property, those connections become really priceless and you kind of really depend on each other a lot more. So I think that's been a big challenge. And I'd say my other challenge would be Definitely connecting and getting people who are not from the agricultural industry to understand and really comprehend 
the sacrifice and the huge amount of work that the people in agriculture do to be able to provide food and fiber and building materials and stuff for people in you know metropolitan areas so i really want to be able to try and bridge that gap and that is a challenge it's a huge challenge what is it that you mostly produce on your farm so we are a beef cattle enterprise so we produce beef Um, we've also got goats and we have a few sheep as well so a few different enterprises there but we pretty much grow cattle and move them along down the food chain so every time you go to say Woolworths or the butcher and you see that meat that'll be produced by us. And how many head of cattle do you have? Yeah, so at the moment, um, we've had a really phenomenal season. It hasn't always been like that, but at the moment, we've got about 10,000 head of cattle, somewhere between, I'm going to say, 15 and 20,000 goats, and then, yeah, a small herd of sheep. So, yeah, we're running at a really high level at the moment due to our seasons, but before that, so before about two years ago, we were in drought for about 11 years, and we only had about 300 head of cattle, and we were, we're at the mercy of weather and in the market so we have no control over those two things and yeah but when it's good it's good and you've got to make hay while the sun shines yeah literally where that term came from (laughs) so how did you navigate that like i mean i know your husband is an electrician right so he uh, he flies in flies out i guess to give another form of income which is probably new because most people that live on the land, that's all they do. Like they run the business of the farm. So do you have staff that work with you and is there a team of people or tell me you don't manage all this yourself? No, look, we're really lucky. I'm in a family business. So I have, we've got three properties. So where I live here, we're on 32,000 acres. And then my sister and brother-in-law are my next door neighbours and they're about six kilometres away. And then my mum and dad are on our other side and they're about the same. They're about 10K away. So all three properties together, we've got just under 100,000 acres. And no, we don't employ anyone. We all do it ourselves. So there's about three full-time workers, which is my husband or I when Sam's not here, my brother-in-law and then my dad, and we manage it all ourselves. So it's really full on. We constantly are in each other's pockets, you know, business, personal life, everyday stuff. So it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's even another complexity, right? Like you're talking about all the other things, but even husband and wife working together is I've done that and previous careers and it's not easy and you know you it's difficult to make sure you have that kind of turn off switch as well I think you know when you've you come home you're like all right that's enough like we're sitting around the dinner table we had to kind of learn to have a that's it we're done we're not going to talk about the business stuff anymore because it's all consuming so I can't imagine what you go through in like all your extended family yeah it's full on it is really full on I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it you know, a lot of farming families don't make it in business and, it. you know, I would hate to see the, the numbers on, on the people that, you know, have gone into business in family farming and then, then that's sort of all gone quite pear-shaped. But for us, we did a lot of work previously before we entered into business. We did a lot of succession planning and that was that we all came to the table and we all laid everything out, warts and all, of what we wanted individually and then also as a business. We set a mission statement of what we wanted that business to look like and we work really hard at it. And our number one goal was first is family and then second is business. And if either of those two get mixed up, then we will quite quickly separate the two 
because at the end of the day, family is so important to us. As a business, we we sit down sort of every six to eight weeks. We have what we call a toolbox meeting. We make sure we bring all the issues to the table, whether that's in the business and, and what's going on on the farm or whether that's personal stuff and it all gets sorted out, which is not easy. The differences of opinions, I imagine. Oh, so many different personalities. And we've really had to do a lot of, you know, working with personality traits and who's better to deal with the office stuff and who's better to deal with the mustering and the management side of stuff and who's better off to be able to organise, you know, X, Y, Z. So it takes a lot of management. But I just think when you love it as much as what we do, Michelle, it's really not a job. I thrive on hopping up of the morning and getting up, making my coffee and going, right, let's go and muster the cows or let's go get this, yeah. It really is evident when you talk to people that you love what you do. It's so fabulous. And just you talking about the family stuff is interesting because you're probably way more functional than most other families are because most people, they don't talk about this stuff, right? You know, it's like, you know, I'm always a person that if there's an issue, let's deal with it. I'd rather like have the conversation and, you know, we clear the air and we either come back together or we don't rather than this passive aggressive or this cloud over us like I can't live like that but I mean you know having that environment I think it's actually really healthy and wonderful that you know you're talking about this stuff as you say every six to eight weeks it's like therapy sessions almost it's fabulous yeah and we have a we have a policy within our business as well so if there's an issue and it festers with one person for more than 24 hours it's got to come to the table it's got to be addressed we all need to talk about it and I mean, you know, some conversations are heated. Agriculture is a is a really high stress situation sometimes because, as I said before, you're at the mercy of the markets and the weather. You have no control over those two things, and it's what drives our business. So, come August, September, October for the agricultural industry, a lot of that time is really stressful because you're either depending on storms or you're, you know, harvesting your crops and. It's long hours, so that stuff can get really stressful and, and there are conversations that get a bit nasty, but, you know, you feel 10 times better once you come out of that meeting with a resolution. But it's that side of, you know, when you're giving people feedback, I always come from well, what what is the intent? And I think to your point, if family is, comes first, you're coming at it with love and rather than you're not attacking each other. I think they're the kind of critical parts, aren't they? You talked about the 11 years of drought, which would have been like horrendous experience. And again, for us city dwellers, you know, we read about this in the news. We see, you know, pitch some images which are horrific, but we've never lived anything like that. What was that time like, Angie, and how do you navigate going through that? And then also like the flip side of now this incredibly buoyant time you know, when it's that feast or famine type scenario, how do you manage that in a business like you've got? Drought, I think, is a make or break word for a lot of people in agriculture. And a great saying that my my father has said is, if you can make it and manage in drought, then the good years will be easy. So for us, I can't even begin to explain the stuff that I saw, it's very full on, you know, the animals, the mental health that you see with with your friends and family, especially is really quite full on. But I also was very privy to, if we can just make it, then we'll make it. And I don't think anyone saw that the drought would go for as long as it did. But yeah, it was 11 years of nothing. 
you know, our paddocks were literally like a bitumen flat. It was brown and, you know, we completely scaled back. It broke a lot of people financially, mentally, broke a lot of families. So that in itself is really quite traumatic. But I honestly don't know how we made it. We just made it. And I think you just hop up every day and you just try and do the best you can with what you've got. Your attitude on how you approach the day definitely was a lot a big saviour in our family. We have another great saying, which is attitude is everything. So if you can hop up of a morning and have a good attitude and not react, but be proactive with what you've got, then I think you can survive. But we're very, we've got a few outside businesses as well, which helped propped us out up. So my, my husband's an electrician, like you said before. So we had those external factors. My dad um, has a few outside businesses, which was able to prop us up. So as I said, you've got to be proactive. You can't just put all your eggs in one basket. You need to be very much looking outside of the box a lot of the time. So um, when that rain did come, we were just like, right, let's enjoy it and and take the opportunity when it comes. So yeah, it's just cheese and chalk now. And I've got a couple of photos in my office of what it was during the drought and what it is now. And you just wouldn't think that it's the same landscape. Crazy. You talk about obviously the three key things that, you know, we need to survive. You know, for all those city dwellers listening, because most of my listeners would be living in metropolitan areas around the world, especially, what are the key things that you'd love for them to understand more about the ag industry? And if there's ways that we can support you or, you know, what would you like us to know? I think that I really want people in, in the city or the metropolitan areas to understand that when they're driving their car, when they put clothing on their back, when they're sitting down feeding their family, it's all produced by farmers and there's been so much love and passion put into that. And I just want people to really connect when they go to make decisions or when they go to an election poll or when they go to make a big decision in life to really just pause and have a look at the bigger picture and the impact on that and what that might have for farmers and the agricultural industry, I guess, because we as farmers, I'm going to just put something into scale here for you guys. So the agriculture industry holds up more land mass than anyone in metropolitan areas. And yet we only have a very small position of the vote, which is so weird because everyone goes home at night, they sit down and they have their food and shower and warm water and stuff. So the impact on that, I don't understand for me personally. So I just think that people really need to just stop and pause. How should it change then? How would you change that? I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. Maybe there needs to be some more media and understanding around that. Maybe there needs to be more stories of people on the land brought to the air or brought to a radio show or brought to the front. So people can just sort of, I don't know, get outside their box and have a look around. And I don't know too many unhappy people that live on the land. I mean, we have the best community. We're so social. We love doing what we're doing. And you just make so many great lifelong friends. And another statistic that I was shocked about was probably going to get this statistic wrong and I can shoot you through, but I think it's 63 or 67% of the population do not have a rural connection or do not know someone who is from an agricultural industry, which for me 
is huge. Like that just blows my mind that someone doesn't know someone from the land. Yeah, and it's such a big country. So we're 25 million and 67%, yeah, have no connection to the land. So thinking back to when you were growing up or even like your parents and grandparents, if they've talked about stories, what has changed you know, from those days to now, obviously, you know, you've got access to internet, you know, so that connection point is probably nicer that you feel connected, I guess, to the world more than you did ever before. But there's a downside with that as well with, you know, your kids likely on social media and all those sort of things too. So what is your view of, you know, what, what has changed, I guess, from you being a child, your dad being a child, and now with your, you know, bringing your three kids into the world? Mainly, I would say probably access and information. We have so much more information now than what my dad did as a child and his dad did as a child. The internet has been a huge game changer for us. It's changed our production. It's changed our connection. It's changed being able to get online and, and pay bills and or whatever that might be and the access to information. So, you know, now we know what's happening with the overseas markets a lot quicker. Now we can make contact with someone and understand whatever it might be. So if it's hand, foot and mouth or mad cow disease or whatever that might be, that gets to us so much quicker. So we can then protect what we have a lot easier. But yeah, information, definitely information and technology has just been such a huge game changer. And It can have negative effects. I think, you know, there are images that get around of the ag industry that probably don't paint us in the best aspect, but it's in every media outsource. That one photo can just spiral and make a big issue out of nothing because, you know, there's so many photos that would paint an amazing picture of what we do and people just need to understand that, that while some small percentage of the world might be seeing one photo, you also need to see the other side of it. Yeah, and I think that just the work you're doing, Angie, you know, like educating people about what it's like to live on the land, I think that all helps, you know, that to mitigate, as you say, that, you know, it's like anything. There's bad press in lots of different things and one side and, you know, there's 95% of other really good stuff going on. So out of all the people you've interviewed so far, do you have a favourite story you'd like to share? Most recently, I did a fantastic interview, which was one of the last interviews I did for season five with a beautiful woman called Jessie Bethel. The topics she covered in her interview was really quite profound. She talks about sexual assault. She talks about becoming a mother in a rural area and the challenges that she faced. She's also very highly educated. She's a lawyer. And so she did a lot with mining and especially mining with families who have properties and the mining's coming in. She's got a lot of knowledge about that. She's just got a lot of knowledge about, I suppose, what it takes to survive in a rural community. She's just, she's one smart cookie and I highly recommend people to listen to her story because she was very forthcoming with what she had to share and yeah, she's a phenomenal human being. Uh, Angie, I just, we could chat all day. It's so wonderful to connect with you and I'm not sure I'll get out your way anytime soon and up in Queensland, but maybe we should fly to a mutual point where we can hang out together. It's been divine to chat and thank you for sharing all your knowledge and also all that you do for the rural community of this country. It's just so wonderful you're sharing their stories. Thanks, Michelle. And yeah, as I said, I'm only a Instagram message away or email away. So please, if anyone wants to make contact, I'm happy to make more friends. Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? 
I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favor? Please rate and review on your listening platform for me. I know everyone asks this, but it seriously makes a difference to help get these conversations out in the world and makes all the hard work and effort I put into this for you all the more worthwhile. And until next time, if you have one question you'd like to ask me, hit me up on my socials or jump on my website, michellejcox.com. Thank you.